Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting live to you around the world from kpcg.fm. And physically, we are here on the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And we're going to start the show today with what hopefully to you is an exciting announcement. We're going to start having about every once or once every month a new segment about the lives of Armstrong College students produced mainly by students. Each segment will probably be about five or ten minutes long, lets you know the inner workings of God's college, what's going on here, what they're experiencing, how it's changing their lives. Who knows, maybe the segments will go up to 15 minutes if they're feeling particularly ambitious. And a lot of this work will also be done by the fine people of of the Philadelphia Church of God News, PCG News. So I'm pretty excited about that. It means that you'll hear less from me and more from others, which I think everyone wants. So you'll look forward to that, hopefully either next week or in the next couple weeks to come. Have you ever gotten lost from your parents or, as a parent, temporarily misplaced your children? Isn't that one of the scariest feelings in the whole world? I can remember a couple particular incidences where this has happened to me. When I was younger, we were at the massive Harrods Mall in London. And we were walking through. Obviously, it's a huge mall, so we had to kind of move quickly to see as much as possible. It's a pretty popular tourist spot. I I remember getting sidetracked on a particular endless aisle of toys. I stared off at those toys, and all of a sudden, before I knew it, when I turned around, my entire family had disappeared. And I panicked. I think I was crying, trying to find someone who could point me back to my family. And thankfully, (laughs) I did find them again. And it seems like it happens a little too often with my daughter Loma. She can disappear right behind a car, a parked car in the parking lot, right next to me, and I won't see her. Or if I look away for a split second while she's on the playground, she has disappeared into another tunnel, and I have no idea where she is. She's pretty quick and elusive that way. And thankfully, I've never lost track of her for more than a few seconds. I've never gone anywhere and left her behind. Uh, But it still isn't (laughs) the best feeling, even when you don't know where your children are for just a few seconds. But imagine losing track of your child for three whole days. This actually happened when Jesus Christ was a child. His parents, Joseph and Mary, as as was the custom went up to Jerusalem every year, multiple times a year, to keep God's holy days. And in this particular instance, they went there to keep the days of Passover 
and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Passover is not a holy day necessarily, but it is one of God's commanded observances every year. So that's another subject entirely, but it is interesting to note that even when Christ was a child, he did keep God's holy days. And that's why God's church today does the same. But notice this in Luke 2, starting in verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. So quite a condemning contrast between me getting lost in Herod's staring at toys and Christ around the same age not getting lost but purposely going to find some smart people and learn from them and even at his young age teach them. See he was listening, he was asking questions and then notice Luke 2 verse 47 and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So again, he was probably only 11 or 12, and yet he was already setting this kind of an inspiring example, probably dumbfounding the people who witnessed this. Verse 48, And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have you thus dealt with us? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. You could imagine if it's the custom of everyone in the whole nation to travel to one particular place all at the same time for a religious observance, that there would be quite a lot of traffic. There would be throngs and throngs of people, a massive caravan of humanity migrating to one particular place, in this case, Jerusalem. And then when they're all going home, there's a whole lot of people moving back in the same direction as each other. So Christ's parents thought that he was probably just meandering through the crowds, but at least going back in the same direction as them. And yet he wasn't. Verse 49, Luke 2, verse 49, And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Would you not that I must be about my father's business? So, Remember, Christ was perfect, so he wasn't being disrespectful to his parents here. In fact, he probably taught them an important lesson, <laughs> that even as a child, Christ was totally dedicated to his father's business, to God's work. And his parents at the time didn't understand it, but you can see in verse 51 that his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Probably an instance they would never forget, words that would always be ingrained in their minds. That kind of a focus, especially from a child, is just absolutely staggering. Luke 2, verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So, not only does that show Christ's focus, but also the fact that he was, at, at such a young age, excited to speak with adults. Look at how much he could learn and how much he could even give in a conversation with adults. Hopefully, as parents, we can teach our children to enjoy talking to adults like that. 
and really uh, that will help them to mature quite a lot faster. But Christ didn't wander off. He wasn't staring at toys like I was. He was out there actually making people's lives better. He was a pretty powerful witness to everyone who saw this. And to this day, of course, Jesus Christ is just as focused on doing the work. And in fact, he is extremely involved in every single detail. This is Christ's entire job. He and God the Father care deeply about what is going on in the work today. There is a common misconception that God may have passively created the universe by the process of evolution and maybe occasionally checks in on what's going on with human beings from time to time, but that he doesn't really concern himself much with our daily workings. That is a common misconception, even among many Christians. And maybe this just happens to come from unanswered prayers. Maybe they see disasters and injustices taking place in the world and they don't think that God is seeing it or intervening in it or that maybe he's not emotionally touched by what is happening. There can be a lot of ways to fall into this incorrect way of thinking that God is not specifically involved with his creation, but he really is. There's a pretty funny example um, in an article from the Good News magazine of July, August 1968, where it's just talking about God, the Father, and Jesus Christ having this hypothetical conversation. And they're just talking together, trying to remember what planet they created, where all the human beings live. They don't even really remember the name. And then they're trying to remember why they created humans in the first place. And what happened to Adam to throw him off course? Obviously, just an absurd scenario. Because we know that God is involved. He does care. He cares so much about the whole world in general, and he's going to give them all a chance. He's going to give everyone an opportunity to know him and to finally live a happy, peaceful life, if they're not experiencing that right now. But he cares so much specifically about the work. This is their primary focus right now. John 5 verse 17 says, My father works hitherto and I work. That's what they do. They work all the time. They, of course, are creators. That's part of their profession. But once they have created the universe, they also care about sustaining it, maintaining the laws by which the universe operates. They care about human beings made to look like them and to potentially build their character. They care about all of these things very much. John 4, verse 34, Christ said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. You see, 
Christ was focused on the work to the point where he considered the work more important than physical food. Even when he was a human being, he'd skip meals all the time just to make sure that the work was getting done. Really just an incredible example that started when Christ was very young, continued throughout his entire human life, and now is the case even while he is a spirit being, of course. This article from 1968 says, maybe you never thought of it that way before. Or perhaps you thought God was concerned with something else more important somewhere else in this vast universe, that he gives only occasional tidbits of his divine attention to his work with man here below. Not so. God has nothing else more important with which to occupy his time and attention. I repeat, God's work is primary with God. Get that. Learn it well. That can be pretty humbling to think about, that God cares so much about what we are doing in his work right now. It really does give us a lot more meaning and purpose to what we're trying to accomplish. God's work, of course, does consist of God's church, partially the Philadelphia Church of God, and also many thousands of co-workers and donors and supporters There are so many people involved in doing God's work. Back in Christ's day, when he came on the scene, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That was his job when he came to the earth. You can see that in Mark 1. He was a newscaster, except that he actually told the news before the news even happened. There was a prophetic angle to it. That was Christ's job. He was an advanced newscaster, preaching about the kingdom of God, not about himself. And that is a big part of what God's work today does. God's work is a massive operation. It's been taking place through human beings for all of human history around 6,000 years of human history. It went through the Old Testament where God was trying to work through the ancient nation of Israel and then whenever the kingdom split through Israel and Judah. He had involvement in the various world-ruling empires that some of which even conquered Israel and Judah. He did work on the minds of those powerful rulers And of course, he wrote the Bible with dozens of different writers. He inspired their writing. He's working through human beings in a bunch of different phases. Whenever he established the church, he said that the gates of hell could not prevail against it. And then Revelation chapters 2 and 3 talk about seven different church eras of God's one true church. And each one of them has at least a slightly different focus. Each one has different strengths and weaknesses, somewhat varying commissions from era to era. Matthew 24, verse 14, talks about the commission in the sixth era, the Philadelphia era of God's church. We have plenty of materials that will will show you 
that that was led by a human, a human leader, Herbert W. Armstrong, as he submitted to Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, verse 14, here is the commission in that sixth era. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Pretty similar to what Christ did when he was on earth preaching the good news of the coming kingdom of God. Basically a similar purpose, but with some variations down through the church eras. Here's the commission for the seventh era, the Laodicean era of the church, Revelation 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Notice there, prophesy again. That means there was a pretty powerful warning that preceded this one. And that did take place through Mr. Armstrong. So the work today is reviving those teachings, reviving those warnings, and trying to deliver them with power. And God does provide a whole lot of power for doing this. Christ talked about that. Matthew 28, verse 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then it goes on talking about how Christ directly oversees the work. Christ, who received all power from God, is directing this work. He's involved in every aspect of it. He does care about every last decision, every open door. He does want to stop Satan's interference. He does want to make sure that we're all individually and collectively doing our part. There's an interesting quote from this 1968 article. It says, If this warning witness were not going out to all the world, and especially to Israel at this time, the Great Tribulation would nonetheless just as surely come on our peoples and those of the entire world, and they would never know why it happened. They would never know what hit them, as we say, or why. Thus they would not, indeed could not, repent. Therefore the world would gain nothing from its intended corrective punishment. It would be just as unrepentant, carnal, and unconverted at Christ's return as it is now. And then he says, in other words, without this works proclaiming the gospel, the second coming of Christ would be meaningless to this world. Are you starting to see why this work matters so much to God and Jesus Christ? How it is part of preparing the way for Christ's second coming? That's a really important job. And it's totally understandable why God and Christ would take personal interest in this. There's obviously a lot of different ways we can all support the work. Prayer being by far the most important. James 5 verse 16 says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So when we're doing our best to obey God's laws, both the letter and the spiritual intent, when we are 
fervently praying, when we have humility in our prayers, when we are persistent in prayer, when we pray in Christ's name, when we do our best to structure our prayers according to the prayer outline of Matthew chapter 6 for the most part, when we really do work hard on fulfilling the keys to answered prayer, those prayers do avail much because we are praying to a God who is actively involved in the work. Hebrews 4 verse 14 talks about Christ's role today in the work, in our lives. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So we've talked about God and Christ having a profession. They work, they create, they oversee the work. They're actively involved in what we're doing. They are professional, and we also have a profession to do the work. Hebrews 4, verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You see, Christ knows what we're going through. He can relate to the struggles of we puny human beings. And that really does help him help us. Verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, this is the best way to help the work. Most of you probably already know that, just by praying, because God will answer. Christ will help us in that process. And we do have to give everything we have. Try our very best. Give our very best effort. Because like that article pointed out, we are the warning that helps people make sense of the coming punishment. Where else do you find real common sense, real God sense about what is happening in the world right now? Why America is rioting, for example. Where do you find the true source of that carnage exposed? Who else talks about it? You can go to thetrumpet.com. You can get a free subscription to the Philadelphia Trumpet News Magazine. You can watch the Key of David television program. Listen to a lot of the fantastic programming, such as the Trumpet Daily Radio Show or Trumpet Hour here on KPCG. And you can learn exactly why we are plagued by so many problems in the world today. It's a spiritual problem, and it requires spiritual solutions. That's the type of warning that God's work is giving. It's a life-changing, life-saving warning. And it's an honor that we have the chance to be a part of that. In 1967, in a co-worker letter, Mr. Armstrong wrote, In 33 and a half years of this work, I have noticed that those who grow spiritually are those whose hearts and interest are in the work, God's work. And those who individually fell away, lost out, 
were those who were interested only in their own personal spiritual development and had no interest in getting the gospel to the world. Then he said, Your number one interest ought to be God's great work as a whole. That has to be our number one interest. And I do think it's fascinating that so many of our other interests seem to be falling apart before our eyes. For example, I've always been pretty interested in watching sports, and yet those leagues are just really, it seems like, losing their way, losing their minds with some of the communist propaganda that they're promoting. They're really going all out to alienate at least half their viewership. And so when we are alienated by that, perhaps we can be motivated to turn our attention even more toward a cause that really is worth supporting. It really is helpful that these different forms of entertainment are actually making it easy for us to turn to God. You know, the lockdown this year, all of our options for going out and having a fun time seem to be taken away. And so we have all this extra time to put our focus into a better place, onto a better mission. I don't think any of that is a coincidence, all that's going on and the way that it does really in a lot of ways force us or leave us with few alternatives than to support God's work even more. So today we have been talking about God's work and how Christ and God are so passionate about it, how they love it so much, how they're intimately involved, how they work and how we can work in support of them, and how we can primarily, in supporting the work, pray, cry out in prayer, give everything we have in prayer, following Christ's example, even as a young child, just being locked in on doing the work. What could be better than than that, especially right now as the world really does seem to be falling apart pretty quickly? Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 1130 a.m. Central Time.